This is episode 721 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, starting your water storage. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, I'm really excited about the project that I completed a few months ago called Is Preparedness Biblical? And what that is, it's a small group video-based Bible study to answer that question and really to bring people around the idea of the Bible and also preparedness. So it's a perfect a perfect gift for maybe a Sunday school teacher or to start a Sunday school group or to small start a, a small home group or just maybe a group of friends who want to come over and watch this and to figure out is preparedness biblical and go from there. But listen, it's also a great resource to find out who believes in preparedness and maybe who you could count on if the poop hits the fan. So this Bible study comes with the leader's guide. It's complete with two sets of discussion questions for each session. One group of uh, questions are Bible study questions, and then the other set are preparedness questions. I've also included a preparedness-based icebreaker and other resources to get anyone talking and to be just very valuable. I just put a lot of time and effort into this one. So the great thing is you don't need to be an expert in the Bible or preparedness to lead this. You just need to show the videos and read the questions for discussion. So if you're interested in starting a small group for your friends or giving this as a gift to a pastor or to a Sunday school teacher, uh, you can go visit the link in the description or in the show notes and go right over to where you can purchase this. Uh, I've made it very affordable and I think it's really worth it. All right, guys, I've also mentioned that, uh, I think I mentioned this in a prep motional a while back, that I am going to shut down uh, the the membership for the Prepper Website exclusive email group after December. And so it's just going to be open certain times of the year. And the reason being is that um, it seems like I'm managing like kind of one-offs every once in a while. So the thing is, is that if you're interested in joining the group, go ahead and do it before the end of December, because in January, I'm going to go ahead and shut it down. And and uh, I don't know what that's going to look like as far as when it will open up. It's a great resource. It's something that I love to do. I love hanging out with people, on our, especially on our uh, Zooms that we do, our online meetups. But I just I'm trying to simplify life just a little bit into where I'm not always doing the the back end of it. So if you're interested, now is the time to join. All right. I want to read a quick review from CR Flashy Fox left a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Greatly appreciate it. It says my new favorite. This podcast has quickly become one of my favorites. I am a single mom of three that loves hiking and is new to prepping. Todd has a great conversational way of explaining that holds my short attention span. There is a wealth of information for newbies and old timers. Frequent guests bring their own ways of preparing to round out the show. Thank you for helping me prepare without feeling overwhelmed. Every time I listen, I feel like I'm visiting with friends. So Flashy Fox, thanks so much for that review. I greatly appreciate it. Listen, if you think that this is visiting with old friends, I got to tell you like the online meetups are even more so that way. And I know I just kind of talked a little bit about that, but uh, it really does feel that way. 
So listen, I'm glad that you left this review and I'm glad that this has helped you, especially being a single mom, that you found this uh, podcast to be a great resource. So thank you so much for leaving that review. And I'm, I hope that uh, as we move forward with other episodes, that they will be just as valuable to you. All right. So if you are a regular listener to the show, you know that I didn't do a prep devotional this last week. And uh, it wasn't because I didn't want to. Uh, it was, I, I think in the last prep devotional, I talked about having some truck issues and I, I said it was my battery and it, and it was the battery or I thought it was my battery. And so it was the battery. I, I did have to replace the battery, but it was a lot of other stuff as well. So after that, after I released the other prep devotional, I started having issues and I had to drop off the vehicle. And then, so like it was, uh, I, I, this was like late on Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving, and so my mechanic, the guy that I, I really trust with my vehicle and has always steered me right, uh, of, of course, they weren't going to be open Thursday night or Thursday because of Thanksgiving. And then Friday, they weren't going to be open. They're not open on the weekend. So I had to take it to them on Monday. And so my wife and I were carpooling all week long. We work in the same office building. And so uh, I didn't have an opportunity to go ahead and, and record uh, just because, you know, all the different things that were going on. So it wasn't because I didn't want to. I do have my truck back. You know, the issue was the starter, but then it was also, it was like multiple things. There is a for, so I have a Dodge truck and there was a service report out. The wire that goes from the fuse box to the fuel pump somehow burned up. And so the fuel pump wasn't getting enough power so that it could send the fuel that needed to to you know get into the engine to start the the, the motor, and so they needed to. There was some kind of uh, new kit that Dodge came up with, and so it's a known issue. Some of you who have Dodge trucks and maybe you've had this issue before, or maybe you're a mechanic, you you've heard of this one. But then it was also the starter. So I mean, all these all these things kind of uh, uh, kind of added up to give me all these problems, right? The battery, the starter, this uh, this electrical line. So all of these things. And so, you know, I forked out some money doing that, but the truck is paid off, you know, and I, I rather deal with, uh, and it's still in good shape, really good shape. I mean, I haven't had to put any money into this vehicle for a long, long time. And so dealing with, you know, this one off where, you know, you had to take it off to, you know, to the, to the mechanic to get it fixed. I rather do that than have a payment where I'm paying five, $600, every single month on a new vehicle and five, $600. I mean, that might be on the low end, especially when you're talking about getting a, you know, a bigger truck or whatever. And so things are so expensive. So I, I don't have a problem every once in a while needing to take it to the repair shop and uh, even paying a little bit more to know that it's getting done right. And uh, I'm just grateful that it wasn't a part that I had to wait for it to come in, you know, from China or anything, something that was on a, on a barge somewhere or on a ship somewhere. Uh, I was able to go ahead and, and get it pretty quickly, uh, you know, that week. So very grateful that I'm able to do that. All right. So let's go ahead and move into our article of the podcast. So we're going to be talking about water and this article is from the homesteadinghippie.com and it's titled, how long does bottled water last? What about tap or borehole water? And so uh, this is, I'm going to use this to bounce off of some things and maybe share some things that maybe you've, you haven't even heard before. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I didn't, I, I, I didn't even process this until just recently. I know I read the article before, but it, it just, I don't know. I, I guess I forgot about it. But anyway, water is such an important 
aspect to our preparedness. It's easy to talk about food and talk about all the other sexy, sexy gear, but water is so bulky uh, and we don't realize how much we need. I mean, the minimum that everybody talks about is one gallon per person per day. So think about that for just a second. That's not including water to flush your toilets. That's not really even including water to flush. That's water so that you can stay hydrated and water for you to cook. Maybe, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth a little bit there. But really, that's all there is. And that's just the minimum. Most people say you should have a lot more than that per day. But if you have a family of four and you are trying to have enough for just, you know, just one week, you're talking about 28 gallons that you need to store somewhere. And 28 gallons of water is a lot. You start talking about storing up water for a month, man, you're really increasing that. So you really need to be thinking about this because it's really easy to say, okay, I'm going to get a water filter, but there's really more to that when you really start uh, digging into it and, and, needing the water, having the amount of water, I guess, that you need for for all the different things that you, you would use it for. So we're going to use this article to kind of just jump off and talk a, a little bit about some other things that you should keep in mind. So again, thehomesteadinghippie.com. How long does bottled water last? What about tap or borehole water? So I think the person who wrote this, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't say specifically in this article. I think they might be from another country, maybe from the UK, uh, from what I kind of gather, just some different little things that kind of came up because we're going to talk about borehole and a bore, I had to like, what is a borehole? It's not something that I've ever used before or I've heard before. So borehole and a water well basically is kind of the same things. When you look at the definition, when a water well would have been something that was built by hand and, you know, someone went down and kind of, you know, uh, created the walls of the well as they dug. And, and you think about it like an old fashioned well, a borehole is something that's a lot smaller and it's done with a machine. Now, nowadays wells are created with, uh, machines as well. So it's probably the same exact thing. And I think the use of the word borehole probably again, uh, I'm starting to think it was some, you know, like a UK thing or whatever uh, author writing this. I could be completely off the mark here. Uh, I have been there before, made pl plenty of mistakes. Maybe somebody who has a little bit more information on that can can tell me that if this is more of a uh, a UK thing or or you know not the United States. Normally, when we're talking about something that resembles borehole water, we're talking about a water well, and so when when I was reading about it, I'm like, that sounds like a water well to me, but okay, whatever. So borehole water, uh, again, you can always come over and send me an email. Let me know um, if, if I got that right or not. So let's go ahead. I've been yapping a whole lot. I need to stop yapping. I need to get into this article. So let's go ahead and do that. For years, water has been served up in bottles from taps, from boreholes, and even untreated rivers that are the only source of water for millions of people worldwide. Each has its own pros and cons. It is a hot topic that affects every person and animal on the earth. Everywhere you go to, you will notice that each place has water that has a different taste. Now, this is not necessarily because there is something wrong with the water. It is different because of the source of water, temperatures, treatment process, storage, and delivery. But how long does bottled water last? So water typically lasts forever, meaning it doesn't have an expiration date. In fact, the FDA states that bottled water has an indefinite shelf life if it is stored properly. Bottled water usually is given a best before date of two years. 
Now, it is really the quality of the water source that affects the health and taste of the water. Stagnant water is full of viruses, bacteria, and parasites. That makes it taste as foul as it is from a health point of view. Borehole water could be extremely dangerous because of pesticides seeping into the groundwater. Tap water can contain contaminants and even rust from your pipes. As plastic ages, it breaks down, releasing toxins into the water that can be very harmful to your body and will taste very bad. In all these scenarios, the water is not the problem. The water would be perfect. The problem is that it is exposed to real-world contaminants, which lead to bad taste and health issues. When on holiday, many travelers bring bottled water with them or purchase bottled water exclusively because the water tastes bad. Residents of that area will not necessarily agree that their water tastes bad. They are used to that taste and will think water in the USA tastes inferior to their country's water. The taste, quality, and quantity of water are determined by geography, pollutants, treatment, packaging, storage, exposure to light and heat, pests, and diseases that occur in different areas. Let us explore the quality of each water source and the pros and cons of each, and most importantly, how to make your water last longer. So let's look at bottled water. Many people believe that bottled water is safer than tap water. Too many people have died because of waterborne bacteria. Sometimes it gets into tap water, but bot bottled water is every bit as a risk of becoming affected. Bottled water is very often just tap water that has the mineral content adjusted. The water can come from wells, springs, and surface water. Bottled water has the best before date to indicate when the water was bottled and when the plastic will degrade to the point of affecting the taste of the water. So bottled water standards. Bottled water is monitored by the FDA. They do not require the same level of testing as the EPA. Their standards are sellers need to process, bottle, and transport water under sanitary conditions. This gives the producers and sellers a lot of wiggle room as sanitary is often open to debate. Protect the water sources from contaminants that could be harmful to humans. Prioritize quality control processes, ensuring the bacteriological and chemical safety of the water. And they are required to test and prove that the water they provide is safe and tasty by, by sampling it. Talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Now, bottled water should be kept sealed in a cool, dark area away from direct sunlight. Only buy what you need at a time or what you know you will need for the next week. The plastic deteriorates over time and leaves you with water that tastes bad. It is much better to buy water in glass bottles. This is for three reasons. Glass can be recycled, leaving your footprint on the environment reduced. Glass does not deteriorate. This ensures that the water tastes as good as the day you bought it. And glass bottles will help keep your water fresher for longer. This means you can store a lot of it without worrying about its taste deteriorating. Perfect for preppers and homesteaders. Now, water that has not been used before its best before date or that has not been stored appropriately will smell and taste bad. But do not throw older bottles of water away. They can still be used to water your plants, bathe the dog, or even flush the loo. Exposure to heat or light will cause the plastic to, to deteriorate, leaving your water tasting nasty. If you have purchased water that has been contaminated before being bottled, the heat and light will provide the perfect environment for bacteria to multiply. So drinking bottled water that is off can result in problems of the reproductive system in both men and women, cause serious neurological issues, cause diarrhea, lead to vomiting, cause cancer, plastic is full of carcinogens, which cause cancer if they leach into the water, 
and have a detrimental effect on people which compromise with compromised immune systems like old people, babies, and people with certain chronic ailments. All right, so I really haven't broken in here a lot uh, since since started reading this. I don't agree with a whole lot of uh, well, I don't agree with some of the things that were said here as far as the the plastic and all that kind of stuff. Um, it seems like there was a little bit of contradiction there uh, in in what was said. But we're going to continue on, and then I'll share with you just kind of my ideas. Again, when it comes to anything preparedness, you've got to decide what's right for you. So some of the pros here are the FDA says the bottled water has an indefinite shelf life if it is sealed and stored properly. Bottled water is convenient to carry with you whether you are hiking in a dry area or just taking the train home. It is vital for use during natural disasters when contaminants and sewer seepage have compromised the water supply. The massive earthquake in Haiti and the flood that followed Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans are prime examples. It's convenient if you are hiking or camping. If you tap if you if your tap water becomes contaminated, bottled water is the only safe water source until the tap water issue is fixed. So here are some cons of bottled water. The MDH recommends that plastic bottles should not be reused for anything. They are for single use only. Once used, the bottles could be exposed to microorganisms that could affect your health in a big way. Plastic is not biodegradable. It cannot be recycled. Businesses are working towards reducing their environment impact by using tap water or water fountains with paper cups that can be recycled. A plastic bottle takes 100 years to degrade. Bottled water is mind-boggling more expensive than tap water. Because the plastic deteriorates, leaving the water tasting bad, you should always check the best before date. The best before dates indicate the optimal storage date based on when it was decanted into the plastic bottle. And then the plastic bottles will make the water taste a bit off if you do not store them properly or purchase only what you will need immediately. So let's dive into tap water. You see what I did there? Dive into tap water. Okay. Anyway, so tap water is hands down the cheapest water you can buy. It goes through rigorous testing to ensure that it is fit for human consumption. However, human error does happen. My town is... <laughs> so, guys, this is nasty, all right? So I just as I was getting to it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is... So just listen to this. Human error does happen. My town is a prime example of this. We have opened taps and run bath water only to find feces floating in it. Yuck. Different countries have different standards regulating what is an acceptable content of bacteria and contaminants. Man, I just, I can't even imagine like turning on the water and seeing feces floating in it. Like I just, I, and and I, that's like one of the things, one of the reasons why I was like, okay, this can't be in the United States. It could be, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things just kind of led me to that. But uh, if you think about that, okay, so maybe like the water spout is a lot bigger in the bathtub for feces to flow out of it. Imagine if you was if it was going to like the sink, right? And so like just gives you the EBGBs kind of thinking about that. And in reality, you you have heard about some plants not being uh, very sanitary, right? So there are all different kinds of things that can happen there. I'm not even going to go into that. We can we can probably discuss that a little bit later on. And then there's always the cybersecurity issues around all of that stuff. Anyway, let me just keep moving on before I just lose it here. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is charged with keeping tap water healthy. The tap water must be tested by the Department of Health regularly to ensure it is safe for human consumption. The EPA also has three specific requirements to pass their safety for human consumption standards. 
They require that information and potential health risks that can occur from drinking contaminated water is provided every three years when the water is tested. Now, this is mostly done after the water has made people ill, as that is what causes them to retest the water at that point, whether people got ill and then digging up the water line to check for holes that could allow contaminants to invade the safe water. They want to know the source of the water to test for contaminants at the source and that the water complies with safety regulations. The EPA requires that local municipalities inform the public about the effects on the health of the consumer should they drink contaminated water. Now, pour only what you want and drink it immediately. Water left open can be exposed to airborne contaminants. If you want cold water for those hot days, decant your tap water into glass jars with lids. Glass does not let any cancer-causing carcinogens permeate the water. So tap water can become contaminated with bacteria, parasites, radioactive components, and most dangerous heavy metals. Heavy metals can lead to cancer, kidney damage, liver damage, anemia, intestinal symptoms. Children, babies, older people, people with compromised immune systems, pregnant women, and people undergoing cancer treatments are all more likely to become ill if they consume contaminated tap water. Drinking contaminated tap water can lead to diarrhea, vomiting, skin discoloration, fever, headaches, nerve problems, kidney failure, organ damage, cholera, hepatitis, typhoid, and damage to the reproductive organs. So all those is like, after you read that or you listen to that, like you never want to drink water again, right? All right, but you, you don't have that option. All right, so here are some of the pros of using tap water. It's convenient, less damage to the environment, can be filtered easily and cheaply, can be poured into a reusable glass or steel bottle, safe to drink except when a contamination occurs, treated with chlorine, chlorinates, or chlorine dioxides, contains healthy minerals like calcium, magnesium, and fluoride. Some people wouldn't think that the fluoride is a healthy mineral, right? I guess. All right, some of the cons are can contain pesticides, chlorine in high quantities can be toxic, can be contaminated by your own plumbing, and can be damaging to people with compromised immune systems, pregnant women, or pre-existing medical conditions. So that's tap water. Let's go ahead and jump into the borehole water. All right. So as most homesteaders prefer to live off the grid as much as possible, homesteads are often very rural and therefore have little, if any, affordable access to municipal water lines. We tend to think that borehole water is way underground and therefore must be good for drinking. We could not be more wrong. Borehole water is the most prone to have negative effects on humans and animals. Okay, see, that's just a statement that I just don't agree with, but that's just me. I don't know. Boreholes can be as contaminated or even more contaminated as surface water. Worse still, they are exposed to some very dangerous chemicals homesteaders and farmers use on their crops and animal-borne diseases. Again, some of you are probably like rolling your eyes right now like, yeah, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. So you may be lulled into a false sense of security because you do not use anything dangerous on your homestead, but your habits are not always followed by other homesteaders and farmers. Even if they did practice safe organic farming, even these shared habits will not necessarily make your water as safe as you think. Underground streams stretch for miles and miles and wind and twist through twists and turns not visible to the naked eye. To make your borehole water safe for consumption over long periods of time, you'll have to treat and store the water properly. So who regulates the quality of the borehole water and what standards are required? Drilling a borehole does take some compliance with government standards. This is important because you will need to know where the best place is to drill, how deep to drill, and most importantly, what the water level is. 
They have a vital role monitoring the water level to ensure that the groundwater does not run dry. They will come out once every five years to take water samples to ensure that the water is safe for use. They basically test for heavy metals, exceptionally high levels of pesticides, and serious contaminants that can result in major health com complications and even death. However, the quality and safety of your water are really in your own hands. So you can and should sanitize your borehole water. There are four methods to do this. Use a good filtration system, use chemicals like chlorine, distillation, and boil before use. Chemicals will leave your water with an unpleasant taste and boiling water, even for two people, not to mention animals, will feel like a full-time job. It is very labor-intensive and will take the better part of a day to sanitize enough water for use. If you treat your borehole with chemicals, you will not be able to use the water for one to three days, and the borehole will have to be drained before refilling and using. Distillation requires a lot of space for the distillation system and is time-consuming to monitor, process, and maintain. A good filtration system will be worth investing in. It can be placed at the head of the borehole, allowing every drop of water to come out fresh and clean. To store your water, it is safer to use glass bottles over plastic bottles. If you do, not, do use plastic, make sure it is not single-use plastic. So the potential for serious health complications that can occur if you drink contaminated borehole water is very high, especially if you do not filter, treat, or boil the water for use. Borehole water can contain naturally occurring arsenic, radionuclides, and other heavy metals. Drinking contaminated borehole water may cause damage to the whole nervous system, damage to organs, diarrhea, vomiting, E. coli outbreaks, cholera outbreaks, developmental issues, waterborne illness, and damage to the reproductive systems of men and women. So again, those of you who are on water wells, and of course, you know, going back to the, to the time when my dad owned uh, his property and we were completely off grid, I mean, we had a well and although it had a strong sulfur smell to it, when you ran it for two or three hours to get, you know, it would clear out that smell. And uh, so, you know, I, I just, this, uh, this article seems to be promoting water filters, right? Like you need to have a water filter and you do. I think everybody needs to have a water filter, but anyway, it's just, I think it kind of goes overboard when it's talking about a well or a borehole, <laughs> my new word there, uh, for, uh, for water. So anyway, let's just kind of continue this and, and finish up here. Let's talk a little bit about the pros. The pros for a borehole is uh, boreholes increase the value of your property. The investment in a borehole will save you money in the long term. They are easy to maintain. Depending on where you live, the quality of the borehole water can have health benefits. You will not rely on the municipality for a steady supply of clean drinking water, and it contains naturally occurring minerals. Some of the cons are boreholes are a big investment. If untreated, it has limited uses such as drinking, cooking, and watering edible vegetables. It rely on a good filter, filtration system. It can have extensive short-term and long-term health risk if untreated. If it contains a high concentration of magnesium, it can result in gastric issues, can contain bacteria and viruses, can contain dangerous pesticides and chemicals, and can contain parasites. Now, so I, I'm going to admit that I guess, you know, the water, you know, runoff that goes into the ground that makes its way into the aquifers and into the streams that are underground. I mean, they can have pesticides and things in them, but a lot of the times, the filtration of going through and and going through the ground to get in back into the aquifer system there, 
is going to do a lot of that filtering. Now, again, I'm not I'm not someone that you should you know completely uh, you know trust in in that in the water wells. I think every well needs you know you have to uh, know your own well. You should treat your own water and 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 get it treated and 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 figure all that kind of information out. But I mean, that is the way that it filters, right? The natural filtration process is to go through the ground and to to make its way into the aqua uh, aquifers and to then come back up again. So anyway, I just I think there's a lot of things said here that uh, um, probably a lot of people wouldn't completely agree with, right? I guess if you were taking it to the extreme, yeah, and maybe that's the idea of this article, taking it to the extreme, you just got to be really, really careful. So anyway, let me go ahead and conclude this here. Whether you're using tap, bottled, or borehole water, each has made benefits, but also many risks. In whatever method you choose to furnish your water needs while keeping your water clean and fresh, glass is always the best method of storing to keep a supply of clean water. Do not reuse single-use plastic bottles. Once opened, you should drink the water from the plastic bottles within four days. I recommend that you use a water filtration system for both tap water or borehole water. There are so many convenient, cheap, and easy-to-install options available. We do not have a reliably clean and safe municipal supply water source. My first defense is a reliable filtration system attached to my fridge. We only drink water from this source during our everyday use. However, I also keep 20, 170-ounce bottles of water on the bottom shelf in my dark, cool pantry. We had a total loss of water about five years ago because someone drove a heavy truck over a massive exposed cement pipeline. The whole pipeline had collapsed under the strain. The whole province had no water for three and a half weeks. People used pool water to flush toilets and made the long journey to the next province over for bulk bottled water supplies. Plan for the worst and you will not be left wanting. All right, so maybe you picked up on some of the reasons why I thought maybe this was written by someone who was trying to include the United States, but maybe somebody in a, in another country. And uh, re- regardless, I think, you know, good information as far as we need to be thinking about water and water is so crucial. There's, there's a lot of the times when you look at water, you're not really paying attention or realizing that, hey, that might look clear, that might look, you know, crystal clear, but there could be some contaminants in there. Or even if you run it through a water filter, it might not be enough to clear all those contaminants. So again, using this to bounce off of, uh, you know, I never had any problem drinking water from the well when we were up in the country or using it for whatever we needed up there, you know. And so uh, that's one of those things that, again, going back to the borehole thing, uh, we had... Uh, my dad's first property when, you know, growing up, we had a, a, some property in East Texas and it had a spring well on there and that water, I mean, we drank it right from the spring. It created a, a nice little stream, you know, cutting through the forest, but we would, we found exactly where it would bubble up from the, from the ground and it was always cold and cool and clear. And we didn't have any problems drinking straight from that, uh, at all. And so that would be like, I always think about that. That would have been the perfect source. And all the time that we had that property for all the years when we would go down and we would, I mean, it, would, it ran nonstop. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to meet the needs. If we would have had to use it for an SHTF situation, it would have, it would have met our needs. Definitely. The only time it didn't run is when uh, it froze and the temperatures were completely, you know, went way below freezing. And so uh, it kind of froze up there, but for the most part, it ran year round. It was great tasting water. 
But the fact is, is that we live in areas, most of us don't have a spring well. So we live in areas where we need to be thinking about the water that we have and our water storage. And if you're a new prepper, or even if you are, you've been prepping for a while, more than likely, you don't you don't have enough water. You, you need to have some kind of uh, idea of what you would do if the poop hit the fan and you needed to have water and uh, for your family to be able to cook, to be able to drink, to, to keep healthy. So let me just share a couple of thoughts. The first, I've really, I've changed my mind in the last couple of years of where someone should start off with if they were a, a new prepper. And I am going to say you should go ahead. If you're like brand new to prepping, you don't have anything else, but you are concerned about having some uh, some water. I, I really do believe that you should start off with some cases of water. I mean, that's just like the first thing. So if you get regular cases of water and you do the math on there, you're, you're going to get a little bit more than three gallons. So if you have a regular case, uh, I think it's like 12 ounces, maybe 12.5 ounces or whatever, and uh, 24 bottles in there, you're going to have more than uh, a little bit more than three gallons. Now, again, if you have a family of, you know, four, uh, that's, that's not even enough for a day. That's not enough for the minimum but it's an easy place to start. So if you have a room that uh, where you can, uh, you don't have a lot of light coming in, you can close out the shades or whatever, you can store some things. Um, it's really the place to to start. In, in, in my opinion, that's where there where I would start. So you know, getting uh, you know five, six, seven cases of water. You can go to the grocery store every time you go to the grocery store. You know, just pick up a, a case of water when you have. Uh, you know, seven cases, you'll have, you know, 21 gallons of water. Again, that's for you to drink and for you to be able to cook with. If you needed it, you have it there. Say again, water takes up a lot of space. You would need to be able to put it somewhere where you can kind of store it. From there, I think the most important thing is to have a water filter and a good water filter. Um, I know that, you know, you can, I've seen them on Amazon. I've seen them on social media. These water filters that like you've never, ever heard before. And, you know, he's like, you do you do not want to depend on a water filter you've never heard before or that people have not used and there's not some kind of, um, you know, history with it at all. So that's why, you know, you really need to be thinking about your water filter. Now, a lot of people will say the Cadillac of water filters is going to be a Berkey system. And, you know, having a, a Berkey system, it does not require power. You just need to have the filters. You can clean those out. There is some maintenance that needs to be done to those. But that is one that you could you can use and you can have. And uh, you can throw all different kinds of waters. It's a great, great system uh, to be able to have. You do need to have experience with how you need to clean the filters. I think, you know, and having some of the pieces and parts that go bad so that you can, uh, you know, fix it when you need to, because some of the parts are plastic and you need to have some replacement parts. So definitely you need to look into that. Just don't buy a bulk, uh, a, a bulky, a Berkey and put it up in your closet and like, okay, when the poop hits the fan, when the zombies come, I'm going to bring it out. We're going to have great water. There's more to it. You need to really, really look into it. The water filters need to be primed and there is a, uh, a little uh, pump that you can uh, that you can buy to prime the water filter so that you can get the water starting to filter right away. If, if you in a normal situation, 
they tor they tell you to put the water filter, you know, uh, underneath your um, the, the the tap in your sink so that you can go ahead and prime it that way. But if you don't have running water, then you're not going to be able to prime those uh, those filters, and you're going to have problems. So having that little pump, uh, I think it's like a nine dollar pump, is very much worth it when you're talking about a Berkey system and and having that. And uh, you know, a lot of people just use the Berkey system. Right? I mean, that's just their normal thing. And so there is a fluoride filter that you can buy along with it. Um, you know, we do have uh, Jeff Gleason, who is the Berkey guy, does advertise on Prepper website, and I highly recommend if you are going to buy a Berkey, go through the link over on Prepper website um he you know he won't steer you wrong there and you'll you'll get what you need i know that at one point with all the supply issues that they they were having problems keeping supplies in in stock and so um but you do want to if you want the cadillac version that's the the version to go and there's a lot of other information that you can you can have with that and maybe it might be worth it to have uh, get jeff on or get someone to talk about berkey's uh, to uh, to help us you know understand all the the intricacies of it because there's a lot to it it's not something you just set up on your you know and then and then go for it from there right so there's a there's a lot to it um, I mean it's it's not hard but you know it's not just set up this little thing and pour some water in there so from there then there's other water filters and I am a big fan of hydro blue. And so I am an affiliate for them and I have, you know, I have ads for them as well on my, on the website. I've talked about them before. Um, they do make a small water filter, like for hiking. I highly recommend it. It has uh, threads where you can thread on a soda bottle and you can use it to kind of like force the water through. Um, you know, there's just so much that you can do with it, but they also sell a little kit that you can turn it into a big water filter, like with a five gallon bucket from Home Depot. And so some people have said that's not food grade. I mean, find a food grade bucket if that's, you know, if you're concerned about that and, and use that as uh, a reservoir for your dirty water to filter through the Hydro Blue. And so uh, you can you can use one of those. They're the same type of filter, the Hydro Blue uh, that I'm talking about, the VersaFlow, the same type as the Mini Sawyer. So Mini Sawyer water filters are very popular as well. Uh, you can get both of these on Amazon if you didn't want to go through my link to get the VersaFlow for, for Hydro Blue. But uh, the Mini so Sawyer has... It's the same type of water filter. There's some advantages, I think, to the VersaFlow, but you can do a lot of the same exact things with the Mini Sawyer, and uh, you can always find them on sale on Amazon. And so I highly recommend that you have something along those lines. Now, here's the thing, again, is when you talk about storing water, you can only store so much of it. You know, unless you have a, a, a humongous way to store water like a you know a big I, I don't know I mean they make you know thousand gallon uh, containers that you where you can store water on your property and some people who have a big homestead might have something along those lines even if you have like a 500 gallon storage you know that you know 250 gallon uh, some type of water storage there again when you think about how much you use and how big your family is. I mean, you think about how fast you would go through that, right? So you really need to consider all these different things. If you have a family of four, you have more than that. I mean, you really, you're going to be stocking away or storing up a lot of water. If you can't, 
then you need to have a way to go ahead and harvest water somewhere. Maybe that's rain barrels. Maybe that's, I wrote an article is like a fictional story, but then kind of went into a water catchment tarp, you know, not just a, like a, a, you know, a rain catchment, but a water catchment tarp. Maybe I'll link to that one if you're interested in, in listening to that one, or maybe I'll, I'll do it for a podcast episode later on down the road. But uh, anyway, you know, that that's kind of an idea. Um, when you think about it, you might have a lot of water around you, but it's not safe to drink. So I was, you know, around here because of all the hurricanes and all the flooding that we have, they build these big retention ponds all over the place. And so in my neighborhood, there's this retention pond that you can go and, and, uh, you know, they try to make it look nice with, you know, like water, uh, some kind of water feature, whatever. And they might even throw some fish in there. But when you really think about that, all the chemicals is really used for, so like all the excess water that's on the street will filter into that eventually. So when the, when the sewers get filled up, all that water goes into this, to this one place here. And so it is going to take all the contaminants, all the chemicals, all the, the fertilizer, everything that everyone uses on their, um, on their yards, every, you know, the, the oil that's in on the, the streets, all that kind of stuff. And it goes into this one retention pond. So if you think you're going to go get water out of there and and water, you know, just use your regular uh, mini Sawyer or whatever, your Sawyer mini, I guess I'm saying that wrong, or your VersaFlow, whatever, it's not going to filter everything through. I mean, that's just, it's just a water filter. It's not a purifier. So in that situation, I mean, I would be very desperate to go and get water out of that retention pond or any kind of retention pond. I mean, that would be like the last case scenario. For me, I think I would want to distill the water to get all the, to leave all the bad stuff, to, to make it go to steam and then to cool it off in another container. And, but the problem with that is that takes a lot of fuel and, you know, it's going to take some kind of fire. It's going to take a lot of work to get that in an SHTS situation. If you live in the woods or you live by the woods where you have a lot of fire and you're able to, to do this on a regular basis, fine. Uh, you know, you have a lot of fuel there, but it is going to take someone monitoring it and watching it because you do have a hose that goes from the place where you put the water in that's boiling off that goes and travels into another place. Now, sometimes that could be if you're distilling and you're, uh, you've seen uh, someone distill alcohol, well, then that could be maybe copper or whatever. But it's, again, you still have to monitor it. I mean, it's not something that you can just kind of leave while you go do other things, while you go hunting or whatever, you know? And so you think about people who don't live out in the country on a homestead or in rural, uh, you're, you're you're here in the, in the city or in the suburbs or whatever, you're going to have a hard time. You know, you might be able to distill a little bit, but you're still going to have a hard time. So your water storage is one of those things that you're really going to need to think about, right? It's one of those things that uh, you know, we can go on and on. So the, the soda bottles, we've talked about soda bottles before where you can store water in soda uh, bottles. Soda bottles are made to keep carbonated drinks. And so like, you know, this, 
this article talked about you know not reusing plastic bottles, and and they're talking about the the cheap plastic that you get with the water bottles, and I and I agree with that. You know, you got to be careful with that. I I think that I would be using them, especially in an SHGF situation. I would be using them in other ways. Maybe I would be putting water inside of them, uh, water that I wouldn't be using. Uh, but making them like a heat sink in some way, I don't know. But anyway, so you have that idea. But uh, soda bottles are a little bit different. They're, they're made a little bit sturdier, different, uh, stronger plastic. They hold carbonation in there. And so a lot of people in the past have talked about using that to store water. And so what you would need to do is make sure you rinse it out really, really, really well uh, with hot water. And then, uh, you know, one of the things that people say is you've, you know, put about a teaspoon of uh, chlorine in there, shake it up really well with, again, with water, uh, you're, you're mixing it with water, you're a little bit of uh, chlorine in there, you're mixing it up, making sure you're killing all the bacteria and not just, not just, or you, you're trying to get rid of all the syrup and all the junk that's in there because that's what's going to contaminate the water that you put in there. So you want to make sure that all that stuff is 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 out, completely out, clean, and that's why you're running the chlorine in there. But not only the bottle, you want to make sure the, the top is taken care of as well. And then you want to store it. Some people say you put chlorine in there to store it. Other people are like, no, after you do all that, you're, you're good. But after you run the chlorine in there, you you rinse it all out, then you let it air dry, and then you store your water. You put your water in there. Again, doing a lot of two-liter bottles is going you, – you're going to need to put it somewhere, and you can't put it in a garage. You can't put it in a shed if you're trying to save it for, for drinking. It needs to be in your home somewhere in a cool uh, – you know, dark place, dry place, so that it is, uh, you know, good for you when you need it. So people have talked about soda bottles using that. Uh, I know that there's a lot of the the stackable uh, water jugs that you can get. Um, and so I, I recommend those as well. But again, you're talking like four to five gallons in there, like 4.5 or something like that. And so those are easier to stack and easier to maybe hide. But you have that option if you know that or you have a feeling that the poop is going to hit the fan a, a water bob and that that is for those of you that are new this really big plastic container that'll hold a hundred gallons of water you put it into your bathtub you connect it to your water spout it fills it up it has a little bit of a pump that you can use or a little pump that you can use to get the water out but it's a one-time use. So if you think that there's going to be some kind of emergency where you're not going to have water, you bust it out, you fill it up, you you use it, but that's it. You can't use it again. Again, you have to have a way to filter and to purify water. That That's just one of those things that you're going to have to have and a thought, uh, you know, some, some plan, some thought put into a plan so that you can have what you need for your family uh, when it all comes down to it. You know, right now when there is a, an emergency situation, whether that is, you know, freezing, you know, everything gets shut down here in Texas for a week, or there's a hurricane somewhere in Louisiana, a lot of the times there's places where water can come in and they, you know, FEMA will bring in a lot of, you know, bottles of, of uh, water, trucks are full of water and you'll have all that, you know, available. They're always trying to restore water and power as quickly as possible. But if it was a true poop hit the fan situation and there wasn't, you know, bottles of water able to get to you from another state or another county or another city, um, the water wasn't coming back on, power wasn't coming back on, you're really in a situation where you need to have 
water and what would you do? So having a little, putting a little thought into this, I think is really important. Uh, having a store of water uh, at home, I think is important. Uh, we've already talked about what you should do, but then having some water filters, I think is really important as well. And knowing how to take that water, filter it out as much as possible, possible before running it through your filters is going to definitely be necessary there. And so uh, you, you have that situation happening. So what are you doing for your water storage plan? Uh, we talked a little bit about starting it here. If you're new to preparedness or maybe you haven't put uh, a lot of thought into it recently, go do a check on your water. Go uh, you know, start your water with maybe some cases of water and maybe you look into getting a water filter and kind of going from there. It's something that you need to be thinking about. You put a lot of thought into a lot of other things. Uh, water filters don't have to cost an extreme amount of money. With a little bit of investment, you can have something that will give you... Uh, you know, a little bit of peace of mind if things really went sideways. So anyway, there you go with all of that. A lot of information here kind of rambled on a little bit, uh, shared a, an article here that, oh, 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 one other thing. Okay. I got to tell you this because this is absolutely nuts. Before starting the you know recording, I started looking into uh, ways to remove heavy metals because you can, you can use a water filter and you can get out the nasties and all that junk, right? But it doesn't mean that you're going to get out chemicals and heavy metals and stuff like that. So I started, you know, researching a little bit. And when I was, um, I think I was on DuckDuckGo and I and I was <clears throat> looking this up. And one of the articles that popped up was from Survival Sullivan. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I read stuff from Survival Sullivan all the time. And I linked to it on Prepper website. And it was an article that uh, I know that I've linked to. But I just completely forgot about it. And it was one of those things that I just I didn't remember, you know. Three ways to remove heavy metals from your drinking water. I'm going to link to this one. But one of the ways this is going to blow your mind is using cilantro or coriander. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. So I just let me let me get to that part of the uh, of the article. And I just want to read just a couple of uh, sentences here about this. So. Method number three is cilantro treatment. You read that right, cilantro. Common garden variety cilantro. Believe it, the evidence is compelling. In a 2001, a in 2001, a study was conducted using mice. Laboratory mice had lead added to their water for a month. After the first week of lead dosing, they started giving the mice cilantro for the remainder of the month every single day. Extensive testing was performed on the mice and the results were startling. The lead uptake levels in the mice were drastically lower than expected, and they showed a very and showed very little little damage to their kidneys, which is a chief problem that accompanies lead poisoning. So anyway, there is another there's an article that you can link to, and you can go get some more information uh, here. But I thought that was really interesting. So you know that was one of those ways to filter is to or purify is to use cilantro there like bunches of cilantro but anyway uh i just thought you know going and doing some more research on that was very interesting and so i wanted to kind of add that to add that to the podcast and uh, i'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out if you want to so uh very interesting stuff there uh, who knows there's a you know a lot of other ways probably that we don't even realize that we can create our own i mean you, you can create your own water filter as well you know uh and and do that do that too 
So uh, if you find yourself in a situation where, uh, you know, the poop has hit the fan, water is going to be a very, very important uh, aspect to that. So you need to have a plan. Well, guys, I've been rambling a lot, talking a lot. I'm going to go ahead and end it right there. My voice is starting to, to die on me. So uh, let me go ahead and end it in episode 721 right there. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com. We link to the very best of preparedness over there. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.